FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. The listeners of this podcast are its main driving force. If you would like to support FGC Hollywood, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash forward FGC Hollywood, as well as leaving us nice reviews on Apple Podcasts. So without further ado, enjoy the show. FGC Hollywood, stay classy. God bless you. I love you very much. <laughs> that was the funniest part, yo. <laughs> yeah, man. But you know what was even funnier is that the next tournament, right after that, he played Sub Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to FC Hollywood, episode 19, almost 20. My name is Max Pleiser. I'm joined as always by Pringle the One. Pringle, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Just, you know, woke up pretty well. Good. Drink some water. We're good to go. There you go. That's a, a great way. Now, you didn't do the four-hour rule for the podcast, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Oh, man. Oh, man, dude. God damn. RIP, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I'm awake for the both of us. I've been awake since uh, it's it's almost 4. It's, it actually is 4 p.m. here right now as we're recording this. And I've been up for 12 hours. I've been up since 4 a.m. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Ah, he was doing that stuff. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, so I was helping early. my dad with his presentation yeah. and everything, and he woke me up super early because he was all nervous. My dad's like a nervous wreck, which is weird because uh, I'm pretty chill. Like I'm fairly zen. Like I don't get, I don't get too high. I don't get too low. But my dad, he gets very, you know, he freaks out. Oh and man. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know because his dad is not like that. So I kind of like the generation, or 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 maybe your mom is like more zen. Oh yeah, maybe. But uh, yeah, that was fun. So I've been up for a while, but it's okay. I still feel uh, awake, so I shouldn't fall asleep during this podcast. And I, I noticed that while I was driving to go see my dad is I was testing. You know, I'm always testing things because I'm a nerd when it comes to like podcasts and stuff. So mm-hmm. I played our podcast in the car and I was like, huh, it sounds kind of low. I wonder why that is. And then I tested a couple of other podcasts that I know use the same setup as us. At least roughly, mm-hmm. they use uh, a form of communication like Discord or Zoom or whatever, and they were louder. And I was like, huh, I wonder why I have to bump us so high. And then everybody else is. So I went online, I figured the audio levels, and I guess we we're supposed to peak at a certain level, and we weren't even like close to reaching that. So anybody that's listening to this right now, we should be much higher because now I know exactly what the gain levels are supposed to be. It only took me almost 20 episodes, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> long time man it took me a long time to get it too audio is uh it's a mystery like i really don't know what i'm doing i don't know what i'm doing with most of this stuff but audio is something that eludes me all the time but now at least i know what number i'm supposed to reach for the peak i'm gonna try to do that in post-processing so this podcast should be louder crisper yeah hopefully it's it's good and the thing is i mean i don't we haven't gotten a single complaint about the audio so far like nobody has said Hey, it's too low or hey, it's too loud. It's just something that I've noticed on my own. So we'll see what the feedback is. Yeah, man. It might be one of those things where it's like um they don't they know the quality, like it's a Discord type of online online type of thing, and YouTube butchers quality a little bit further. And it could also be one of those things where it's like, you know, all you do is hear their voice. If it feels like background music, then it'd probably be like harder and stuff like that. Yeah. That's true. Uh, but yeah, Pringle, you had a tournament experience, and now I want to open the floor for you. Tell me, how was your Frosty Faustings? Man, I don't know, man. I woke up too early, man. That ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up too early because the way Smash.gg does is that it changes your time based off the time zone you're in. 
So I thought that my bracket was in like when I woke up, I woke up like maybe like two, three hours ahead of it. And I woke up like an extra two hours on top of that. So I was up for like five hours playing. I finally got to start playing. The first two matches were fast. And the third one took some while. And then the fourth one, bro, the fourth match, I waited like 30, 40 minutes for the person, man. And it was the person was waiting on another person. And then like for some weird reason, their match took like 20 minutes. I'm like, this is Skullgirls, man. Things things going like seven minutes tops, man. Mm -hmm. Then I finally got to the match. And like I personally, man, I I didn't want to play no more. After (laughs) (laughs) I lost all interest by like a couple of hours in afterwards. This is one of the biggest problems I have with my tournament experiences and tournaments in general. And that's why I like my locals so much. They take so goddamn long somehow because it's either one person, there's not enough sets, one person just takes them. And this was online. So I was like, yo, it should be quick, right? No, it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> like it wasn't quick. Somehow the, the, the Skullgirls thing lasted a full seven hours. It just took so long. Like, and after that point, I'm just like, I don't really want to be here. <laughs> I'm like done playing like because like you know in like a normal major at least you could like all right let me maybe i'll go grab something to eat or something but since i'm like online i'm just kind of waiting and i don't know when the hell my match is gonna start so i'm like all right uh i guess i'll just keep sitting here playing i i don't know like i'm i'm kind of like done playing i and i didn't like my performance either because like i got to a point where i played this dude and i was like i can beat him but i messed up dropped combos and stuff but i you know I'm, I'm going to hit you with the ultimate OS. I don't play that game like that anymore. So, <laughs> so, so I, don't, I don't I don't really get the, like, I don't play that much, period. So, like, it's like, whatever. So I, I lost, and then I got to lose this bracket. And then, like, I just got smoked, man. And I'm like, I think about it, and I'm like, I can't even think of what I did wrong in the match. But I ended up waiting for so long that it's like afterwards, I just it, it just killed my interest. I was like, I wasn't going in there half-heartedly, of course, but it's still like, yo, this yeah, is too much ice. waiting. Yeah, man. Like, I, yeah, exactly. I, I already got cool, man. I was like, all right, man. I, my pits are sweating. I had the runs. I went through the runs. That's how long it took. <laughs> <laughs> Your boy went through the runs. You know what I'm saying? I went through the nerves completely. Like, I wasn't even nervous or anything like that. Once you started playing, it went away. Yeah. Hey, I mean, at least no 0 and 2, right? You went, what, 4 and 2? Oh, 3 and 2. Yeah, I went 3 and 2. Man, but I. Uh, so I also realized something, man. That game is so polarizing, man, because I looked at my bracket and I was like, everybody just got old and three and three knows. Like, this is one of the things I don't like about Skullgirls, man. You really can get Skullgirl because, like, people lose so quickly. You saw how much Peacock and Vans were there. Oh, you yeah. see how easy it is where you cannot play a game? That Peacock gets round start button that makes it so that she's already zoning you out. Round start and, like, nobody can punish that. Nobody can. So Which one is that? Gets a, the dagger? The jump heavy punch. Oh, yeah. I love that move. Oh, <laughs> the shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah. The shotgun, my bad. Yeah. That one is really cool. Dude, the hitbox on that is humongous, too. So, like, if you run up to her and you, like, you think you can hit her, she'll just hit you out of that thing. Like, she'll hit you out of whatever you're trying to do. doesn't matter. You'll just get hit out. Free round start, dude. Like It's such a great runaway tool. Start. Yeah, it's an amazing runaway tool because she could do that and then she could backdash out of it. So she could backdash cancel out of that move, man. It's godlike. That's why I'm Yo, like, I love and then as, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's cool though. Don't I know how to use her a little bit? She's actually she used to be she was my first character, really. She's really fun, but like she's so stupid because like she could just meter dump. So she mm-hmm. could do uh the, the Lenny, the big bomb, and then shoot the little like the little uh, laser beams, mm-hmm. and she could stack that like all the way, all the five bars she can she can have, she can all stack that damage. 
Well, she uses Lenny so much as a DP almost. You know, if the bomb yeah. is there, you got to respect Peacock. Yeah, exactly. So, like, but then you have that, like, by herself, she's not that bad. But then you have, like, Big Band or some specific assist that lets her keep doing what she's doing. And then you're just getting, like, you can get, like, thrown off. Like, you can just get bodied completely in that case. And, like, ugh, I hate when that happens, man. It just happens often in that game. As you notice, you saw what was there. You saw the top eight. You saw how mm-hmm. that went down. Yeah. No, Peacock Band together is i noticed yeah. it because i don't watch a lot of Skullgirls. like i play peacock alone because i i don't know how to play a team but watching peacock and band go in and out uh that's a problem, yeah. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> dude she gets like she gets like legitimate 50 like real ass 50 50s with a peak with the band assist with beat extend she could combo and get, get a real 50 50 a safe high and low with the item drop it made me real realize that that's one of the things that I don't like about Skullgirls, it's just so polarizing. And I really wish that it wasn't so much that. Maybe if there was more characters, or maybe I just need to go and play another game. Because sometimes <laughs> I just feel like I need to play something else, man. Because it's just uh, the limited the limited nature of the game really feels constricting sometimes. Oh, man. I just realized now that you said more characters, I didn't put Annie here in the show notes. I looked at my email. She didn't even sh- This is how you know Skullgirls gets no respect. <laughs> I, had no, I had no Annie in my email. So I guess we can talk about her now because she's not going to be, you know, in, in the news. But uh, I do you remember there wasn't a date attached to her? Yeah, there was just a no, teaser. Not, not at all. They, but they mentioned Annie in the mobile game. And then when they mentioned her in the mobile game, there was like mentions of her being in the online, the normal one, second mm-hmm. encore. So it's not surprising that Annie was going to be out. They're also going to release a new character outside of Annie which is interesting, but I'm going to be real with you, man. I'm not really hyped for it because I was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> like, like character reveals don't really get me anymore. I, I think I, I feel like I need more substance. Like they're going to do like a balance patch or something like that, but that'd be really cool. But for the fans that really like Skullgirls and characters, that's a great addition to have Annie and they're going to make another character. But it said for Annie, it'll be like early 2021. So I don't know what early 2021 means. No idea when the new character is going to come out, if they even have, they probably have just ideas and stuff like that, but they don't have anything for that character. And the character, the new character outside of Annie will probably release on the mobile one, because I think that's how they're kind of making their sales now. So if the mobile game makes it, gets better and better, and more focused with new characters, then they'll probably put that new character into uh, the new uh, the second encore. Yeah, interesting. I'm, I'm I'm interested to see what happens with Annie. She looks like a cool character, and then obviously yeah. there's another character coming in. So Annie looks cool. What they they dubbed her, at least the fans did. They're dubbing her like small girl Rambo or something like that. Yeah, uh, she's kind of like a soul. Oh, really? People are. Yeah, she has. I mean, I forgot what that move is, but he kind of has similar. She has a similar thing where she like grabs him from the head in the air and she like dunks him to the ground mm. in their face. <laughs> she looks cool. Yeah, and, she looks cool. Yeah, she has some soul like qualities, basically. Hmm. Well, early 2021, I'm excited to see when uh, she comes out. Yeah, man. Oh, she's an interesting character as an assist because, like, I swear, if there's, like, if we don't get something to get out of these, like, these same-ass characters, man, I'm, I I don't know how long I keep playing this crap. Man. <laughs> I know. You might have to retire Skullgirls. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, honestly, dude, I'm, like, I'm over here breaking the mold, but everybody else don't really be doing it that much, man. You know, sometimes it's okay to retire games. I retired Tekken, I, and I I haven't looked back. <laughs> I, retired, I ain't looked back either, bro. Last right. time I played was with you, man. 
Yep, same. I really like the game. Don't don't get it twisted. I really love it, but like, yeah, it, I just I get so tired of it, and I wish there was something that could I could play instead of that that has something a bit different. Maybe I just go to ponies. I tell you what, I think you should yeah. go to ponies because we played. I think for close to three hours just in Hollywood, we had like four people playing ponies, and we're all learning, mm-hmm. right? It's just fun because we all are all kind of trash. Although I will say, Arizona carries me so hard. Like <laughs> she's. She's really good, especially with lasso. Like if you if you start mixing somebody up with lasso on the ground and you make them jump and you lasso them in the air, it's uh it's a mind game. It's fun. We played. I had fun. Then I went into the lab and I was like, oh man, she's got really cool things. I can actually do ground stomps within mid combos. I can side switch. That game is like super super fun. And I think again, I say this almost every week. Like y'all are sleeping on ponies because it's ponies. Oh. But these functions, they're the real deal. So <laughs> I, I love that game. I really do. I, I put out a tweet. I said, this game has six characters and no rank system. And it's been one of my favorite games of last year. Like it, it looks like it doesn't have a lot, but it has more than, in my opinion, some of these other games that are, you know, quote unquote, triple A or whatever. And mm-hmm. especially that netcode, right? It's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Right? Poor man's game got better netcode than your triple A experience. How's that mm-hmm. work? Yep. I will say this, though. I love that game, but I went to go look up tech, and I was like, oh, that's what I was missing. So listen, I don't know anything about ponies except for, like, TFH, the game, right? (laughs) But I didn't realize is that outside of playing ponies, like, if you go online and you start looking up Demp's Fighting Herds, and I was just looking for Arizona tech. I was just like, where can I find this? I was like, oh, this is the 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 fandom. I was like, this is different. <laughs> I was like, wow. okay. Not a lot of tech out there. A lot of fan art. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually funny, man. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So just beware, you know, if you're Googling them fighting herds, you might not find what you're looking for as a fighting game player. <laughs> <laughs> I get I get what Zio's saying now. Like, listen, I get it. It's it's weird. And um uh, I never understood the whole furry thing, but if if you do find some tech, let me know and shoot it at me because uh, I kind of need some Arizona tech. <laughs> that furry thing is, man, those are, they can be some weird ass people, man. Indeed. One of them plays Skullgirls. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess I should have said this earlier. So, uh, while I was testing audio for our podcast, I was, I was looking up to see just fighting games in general. I was looking up to see if there's any fighting game podcasts out there that have covered fighting games in any sort of capacity. And, you know, I found that there's like eight, there's actually like 20, but 12 of them are defunct, right? They don't record anymore. And the eight podcasts, they're not, not super consistent. And some of them only talk about one game. And, yeah. uh, you know what I was thinking? I was like, podcast seems like such an untapped market in the FGC for some reason. Mm. Meanwhile, we have a million streamers, the the YouTube number is growing as far as the content creation numbers on YouTube. But if this was like a street, you would have all the cars in the left lane, which is the stream lane, and then the podcast <laughs> alley would be empty. You'd have like four people there. So it's like, does nobody ever want to move a lane? Like I was looking at podcasts. I was like, this is such a market that like people in the FGC could tap into and it, it could help. I think it could help if we had more FGC podcasts. And I found like eight of them. I was like, oh, that's disappointing. Listen, we're the best. But I was like... It would be nice if there would be more. <laughs> I would say that I think a big part of it is the fact that 
when they do go about it, they don't keep up with the thing itself. Yeah. There's so many podcasts like that. Like they had like five, six episodes and they're done. Yeah, exactly. And then there's also like the fact that their quality isn't up there. And it's weird too when their quality isn't up there, but their video quality is. So you have kind of like a difference in what your viewing experience is already kind of used to. And uh, I think that's, a, I, I would say that like that's one of, maybe it's also like just the way that you have to digest a podcast. And I'd say that whenever you see like a two hour podcast, it's like, how am I supposed to kind of digest this? So like whenever I see like the podcast, I notice that one big thing is that they don't like, they don't look put timestamps. They don't like, they don't chop it in a way that I can skip to a certain part of it. They don't do this. They don't do that. So it's never worth watching. And unless I'm like, willing to sit there for like an hour and a half and then i don't know when the hell your next episode is coming by i don't want to get uh what's the word i don't want to get into a relationship and not have you come back at me you know what I'm mm, <laughs> it's like yeah. i'm out here trying I'm, I'm out here trying to get committed and you don't want to be committed okay whatever then and then i think definitely when you just fall off especially with just making videos if you fall off it loses your commitment in a way it's like you fell off now since you're not very um consistent i don't really want to stick around and i definitely have that experience when i look through like youtubers where i'm like oh this dude makes a great video but then i haven't seen a video in like three years it's like me man <laughs> so like <laughs> right. it's a, i'm a perfect example of that it's like why would anybody why would i expect anybody to watch any more of my content when i'm never even around so it's like you know like nobody wants to see that inconsistency is like the worst consistency is key even if it's like even if your quality isn't that great, I'd say consistency suppresses quality in a sense at times because it's like your quality isn't that great, but at least you're keep trying to push and keep doing stuff. And sooner or later, maybe your quality will get better. I have the possibility of knowing that. But if you never make stuff, I know your quality ain't going to get better because you never make nothing. <laughs> I'd also say that there's so much like um, the people that do tap into the podcast, they're going into a niche audience into an even more niche audience when they're looking into a specific game. It's like if I made a podcast all about Skullgirls, that would be like stupid. I, I personally wouldn't want to hear a podcast all about Skullgirls. What you going to tell me about how good you're at high and lowing somebody? Nobody care about that, man. Everybody can do that in the game. It's going to need you're going to need more substance. And if you're just tackling one game, you're already making your community even smaller and smaller than you were before. Yeah. I mean, you really can only probably get away with that if you're doing Street Fighter because, yeah, I mean, there's there's one podcast that obviously has done it for a couple of years now. <laughs> yeah, but then they also have that, like, I bet for I bet your money that they go through the issue of saying the same thing over and over. That like That's like, okay, consistency is there, but you're killing your own quality by pretty much boxing yourselves in more and more. That's mm -hmm. the problem with a lot of that. And I think that's another problem with a lot of podcasts. They they box themselves in, man, or they find a format and then the, the format, it's not like one I want to stick to every week. It's one that I want to see every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, that's why I like this show is because one, I'm biased too. Like we have consistency, right? Like, you know, you're yeah. going to get us talking trash about BB tag. That's guaranteed every episode. Of course. We're going to make fun of Granbu fantasy because that's fun to do yep. Hell yeah <laughs> and i'll probably shill amori or something like that <laughs> you'll talk yeah. about dragon quest <laughs> See? Right, yeah, man. we have our traditions here yeah i know right and it, it gives you a sense of comfort especially when it's like the same dudes talking right and then you kind of get their idea and how they talk and 
the personality aspect really helps because I feel like what happens too is with podcasts is that they're always getting a new person like every week, right? But then it, I feel like what happens sometimes is that because they're always constantly changing who they're getting, you don't get a sense of comfort. It's always something completely different. It's like Dragon Quest, man. There's a reason why Dragon Quest, every people be like, man, people get so hyped for the same game every time. And I'm like, yes, we do. Because one, I know what I'm getting. Two, I know they're going to switch it up thinking that I know what I'm going to get, but it's going to be a little bit different. And I really like the difference. It's enough to warrant the purchase. Three is good as hell. And four is consistent. And it happens. And that's what I, I really like that. Compared to if you look at it from like an aspect of Final Fantasy, those games are always freaking weird. They're super different. Almost every one, each iteration has been super different from the last one. And they're departing a lot of the things that they that people like. They're not even turn-based anymore, man. They changed that completely. So, like, people like that kind of comfort thing, and they like it when things can be different in that same sphere of comfortability. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can be uncomfortable. We can make you uncomfortable, too, but you still kind of have an idea of the uncomfortability that's going to happen. I find Tales to be kind of like that, where yeah, Tales yeah, it's, is oh, yeah, similar. Perfect example. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Same kind of monsters here and there. Yeah. And people like that. And now they're they're going to change some things, too. But it's still going to be probably the same kind of tales, because what's cool about the tale series is that, like, you can see cutscenes, and then the little cutscenes have the characters and it delves deeper into the characters personalities. Even if it's little stupid things, it talks more about the characters. And that really helps for the, the ex exposition of the narrative. Yeah. So, yeah, that was about my whole point. I would love to see more fgc centric podcasts out there i think there's a there's a good amount of space there because it seems to be an untapped market as opposed to streaming where i think we're a little flooded there i think there's a we have a lot of streamers Man, everybody's a streamer dude that's a, it's because it's so much easier to just pump up your game, hit up quick match and hit the stream button man you do that. it's easy yeah, it's super easy to do that people flock to it people like it it's like uh it's a live communication thing so people like to see People like to communicate with a person when it's live because then you can just talk to them, ask a question, they can respond. I don't like it though. I'll tell you what, I hate streaming when it's like too much people in the stream chat. Don't like it at all, man. It's weird. Yeah, I'm I'm the opposite. I like I like this medium better than streaming. I I do both, but uh, obviously if I had to choose, I would do this because it's more fun. Yeah. For me. But the editing part's not fun, but the recording part's really fun. Yeah that's the problem <laughs> and some people hate to edit and i think that's what it is too that could be a big chunk of it man you got to sit down and edit it an hour or so video man some people don't like doing that crap even if it's just audio <laughs> yeah that's true oh well well if you're out there and i'm in your ear right now and you're interested in fighting games uh just know that from one fgc podcaster to potentially the next uh this market is wide open so if if you are interested in doing a podcast i think definitely there's an avenue there for people in the fgc to to capitalize on if you're willing to put in the work like pringle said it's not as easy as streaming but it's it's possible it's more rewarding i'd say yeah all right uh pringle i have a i have a hot take and go ahead, go ahead. it's i think it's gonna be it's gonna be predictable but I'm, for one, I'm going to say this publicly. So I think this is the first time I've ever said this publicly, but uh, people were, could probably, they could, uh, I don't know, guess that I would say something like this. I just sent you that video of uh, high-level Persona play, right? Yeah. Uh, from yeah. 2015. And it's it's gods playing against gods and Persona 4 Arena Ultimax 2.0 in Japan. And it has every single matchup you could, uh, the character diversity in that tournament is amazing. You see every single character on the roster. I saw Junpei in there. I was like, oh my God, Junpei. 
Right. It's just top, top level play. The other day I was playing Blaze Blue and I was like, you know what? Let me watch some some Naoto f- uh, footage to get like uh, an understanding. And like Blaze Blue is really cool, but I didn't get that Central same. Fiction? Yeah, Central Fiction. I didn't get that same. I don't know. The, the interest wasn't there, even though the games cool. are kind of similar. The interest wasn't there. And listen, I love Plus R. I think Exert's kind of cool, but I'm willing to say this on record now. I think Persona 4 Arena Ultimax is the best Arxis game out of any franchise, wow. out of Guilty Gear, out of Blaze Blue. I think Persona 4 Arena Ultimax is, yeah. is the better Dang. game. That is the hottest of takes, bro. <laughs> you, you, you made my water, my cold water hot with that one, man. <laughs> so... In the case of Guilty Gear, I think one of the big problems of Guilty Gear is that it's so Oki heavy. That's why in that game you could get you could get Guilty Gear, bro. Like that. Mm-hmm. That's why it can be like a you die, I die type of situation because as soon as someone knocks you down, you're eating like Oki mix-ups all day, and there's not really anything you can do except block. But like in Blaze Blue, you have the ability to tech roll situations, so you can tech out of situations in the ground. And I would say that in, in Guilty Gear, baiting burst isn't. I feel like uh, Guilty Gear bait bursts are more of a thing as opposed to in Blaze Blue. But I will say one thing that I think is a big problem I feel with Blaze Blue is that even though all the characters are different, they all pretty much do the same amount of damage. And one of the things I feel that is that because of that, as well as the fact that on pressure, when you're pressuring people, they all pretty much have very, very similar ways to pressure people and usually consists of 2A here and there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the way they open up people is not, I would say, I almost say it's not as interesting. I feel personally, when I played Persona, I feel like Persona, there's a little bit, like, even though it's like, you would think there's not more, but I feel like in Persona, there's more to the game. And I think a part of it is that the Persona system intact, as well as maybe like the status ailments and stuff. But in Persona, you have different situations where you could hit somebody on a counter hit and they could explode. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. like in Persona and Blaze Blue, I don't feel that feeling. In Guilty Gear, you definitely get that, especially off Oki. If they press something on Oki, you, they explode. But in Persona, it feels like when you explode somebody, it's like, yeah, I did that. I got that. But I don't get that so much in Central Fiction. Yeah, it's, it is weird. It, Central Fiction is weird, especially with the pressure. It's not as weird as like Granville Fantasy, but it is a little weird in the way it does pressure on the ground. Definitely. Because the pressure in Central Fiction, I'd say it's pretty boring, man. Personally, when I was playing the game, it was straight up boring. Like Kokonoi had his move where it's 2A and they nerfed it and it's not a low. So I'm basically just tapping you with mids. Like that's not fun at all. And then like I have to open you up. I have to force open you up by going through the Gatlings and afterwards it's pretty it's pretty much the same there's no like reverse beats like Unil so you have that at least in Unil you got reverse beats so you can do that but uh the pressure is like I don't I don't really like the pressure that much it's either I'm hitting you with my two A's or I'm gonna uh air dash into you and and try to open you up that way um and I would also say that the problem with central fiction is that the meta has a lot of like specific characters that you will really usually see so you'll see like Carl's Jin's, what's this chick? Izayoi's. You'll just see those kind of characters. As opposed to in Persona, I feel that like everything works in high level of play, man. Persona, everything works. Even in Guilty Gear, there's some, there's definitely some, maybe not so much in Accent Core, but more in uh, Rev 2, where there was definitely like the top tiers, the top top. So mm-hmm. you'll see them more often. 
But in Persona, I would say that everybody works. Like, I remember there was a tournament I saw, and somebody was playing. They were botting everybody. What's the character, the, the extra character in Golden? Was it Marie? Yeah, What's Marie. The, yeah, the hat girl. Yeah, man. Yo, there was people running it with her. I was like, what? Yeah, she's secretly good in that game. But because everybody pays attention to Narukami and Margaret and Minazuki, you forget about Marie. So... Yeah, I just wanted to get that out there. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for that. But, uh, dude, after watching that tournament, I forgot. Like, I forgot because I stopped watching Persona for the longest time. And I've been only consuming Rev 2, Axon Core. I've been consuming a lot of Plus R, which is a really fun game to watch. Yeah. When I came back to Persona, you know what it is? It's I find that Persona has just the right amount of damage, just the right amount of speed. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like that perfect melting pot of everything I want in a fighting game. And it does it better then, in my opinion, Blaze Blue does it better than Guilty Gear. And I know it's weird to think it was like, well, Guilty Gear was the original Arxis game, and Blaze Blue followed that blueprint. Persona is just a bunch of our JRPG weebs who got a spinoff. I, I don't know, man. I think it does. I think it's better. <laughs> I just think it's better. I will say that, like, so, like, what's fun about Persona at the high level is really cool. At the low level, it's like mashing DP. Everybody's just mashing it. <laughs> That's true. But, but Persona at high levels has some very interesting things that people at low levels don't do. Stuff like one more cancels and uh, utilizing awakening better and using because like in Persona, what's cool is you could pressure someone with your Persona. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Or they can tap it out or they can block it. So you have so many different ways to pressure people. Yeah, it is weird. I love uh, the ability to most characters in Persona are able to stagger pressure pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that, too. And it's, it doesn't really feel like a thing that's you're able to do in Blaze Blue or Guild, Guilty Gear, especially. I don't think stagger pressure is a thing. You just it's just Oki, right? Knockdown Oki. Yeah. But in Persona, you just there's a lot more creativity to how you open somebody up, to what combo you do. The routes are different, right? Because positioning is different over damage. Like you said, awakening is a big part, and then playing for burst even that's in every game but in persona it's more interesting because of the fact that you can play for burst and you have the persona card element so sometimes mm-hmm. you'll take somebody's burst and they'll just break your persona card and you'll continue on the pressure it's it's so beautiful to watch i did a uh, it was streaming and i was watching some persona and i clipped that part because i was like look he knows he's gonna burst so what he did was he put himself further enough away but he can still hit him with a persona so when he bursts it's just the persona gets broken but then he can just crawl back up and put more pressure while he's elevated in the air it's like it's high level thinking i love it and i don't not to say that it's not in blaze blue or guilty gear but it's really really entertaining and 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 persona and i think a lot of people didn't give her credit and uh yeah it just has too many things going for it that i i have to say i just i find it to be the best arxis game and I will even say, though, what I really like, though, is that you mentioned something, the combo routing. So in Blaze Blue, man, some combos won't just work because you didn't add a specific button. Guilty Gear definitely has that problem in certain cases where it's like, oh, this combo drops because you didn't add another 2S or, I don't know, some crap like that, right? And it's really weird. I hate that. Like, I really don't like combo routing in those games, man. All right. Uh, so we got Hollywood Question of the Week. I, I was thinking about this one because we brought up Persona. Uh, the question is, which fighting game has the best and worst fandom? I just put Capcom. I think they got both. They got the best and the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Capcom players swear they'd be like, this is the holy grail of games. And then like when the game is garbage, it's like, nah, man, you're just not that good. I'm like, what? <laughs> right. The, the OS. Uh, 
Go right, yeah, man. I will say I think the best is the SNK community, and mm -hmm. I don't want to say just KOF because SNK has a bunch of fighting games. Yeah. Uh, the reason why they're so cool is because they play their old games, and they just play. You'll have people playing Garo. You'll have people playing Last Blade 2. You'll have people playing KOF 96, whatever. They just play. Uh, and the worst, I will say, obviously, I just praised the game all this this whole time. But uh, the worst, dude, I think Persona Arena fans are weird. I don't like them. Dude, <laughs> I don't like... That might be it, but... <laughs> yeah, it probably is that. But uh, Persona 4 Arena people are just strange. Uh, the, I don't like that community, to be honest. Even though I love the game. The community is, is just weird. <laughs> just weird people. <laughs> Dude, I I can say that much about the Blaze Blue guys compared to the Guilty Gear guys. Not so bad, but Blaze Blue guys are freaking weird. They got no social skills, man. <laughs> right. Oh else. And yeah, now we can move on to fighting game news. We got a few items here. The first one is Grand Blue Fantasy seventh anniversary there's not a lot of information here but i figured i would just prep this because i think this will be relevant probably next month so Psy games announced that it will host the grand blue fantasy seventh anniversary special live stream on march 7th from 6 p.m to 9 p.m japanese standard time the broadcast will feature news on grand blue fantasy's seventh anniversary update as well as additional information which will more likely pertain to its fighting game and action RPG spinoffs, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, and Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. Mm. So probably going to get some news there. That's just a little bit of a prep headline. We're going to get the news, I think, throughout the week about what they're going to talk about. And as far as Versus is concerned, probably going to get more chapters for the RPG mode and then maybe information for the fifth character. Because we just got Andre for that game. That's that's the versus part. Really, I know that's the action RPG. I don't know if you've seen any footage of that one. Oh yeah, I I really want to play that one. It looks pretty cool, man. Yeah, uh, that one I think is slated for early 2022. But I think they'll be talking mm. about that during the seventh anniversary event. And if you are a, a player of the mobile Granblue Fantasy, then I'm sure they'll have that event is mostly catered for the seventh anniversary for the mobile event. But They'll talk about the other spinoffs as well, so that's why I included this here. Dude, I'm amazed that game, that mobile game is around for that long, man. It's making bank, man. Like, bank, bro. Like, like, yo, we out here selling grand swimsuit edition, grand Halloween edition, grand Christmas edition. They making bank over there in that gotcha game, Damn. man. Kwanzaa grand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kwanzaa grand. <laughs> yeah. He's got the the little the little hat too, man. The dashiki he got. <laughs> That man got a dashiki. He throws chitlins at you as a fireball. <laughs> oh man! But I, I hope they do like a, a, a discounted version of that fantasy versus game. <laughs> yeah, it, you know it would be nice if on March seventh they'll be like, "Hey, by the way, there's going to be a sale on PC." So yeah, grab, man, grab Rambo versus. It'll come down from like you know fifty nine ninety nine to fifty four ninety nine. I mean, that's a sale. What the hell are you looking at? That's ten percent off. That's like, you're like yeah. five percent off. That's how you make it sound better than what it is. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll keep a lookout. See if they talk about anything. Grand Blue Fantasy versus on March seventh, and I'm sure we'll cover it here. For now, we got Street Fighter news. So Street Fighter Five Winter Update Showcase. So Capcom has announced that its next phase of Street Fighter Five content details is coming in the form of a winter update, which is planned for February eleventh, twenty twenty one, nine a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Originally, these details were planned to be shared in the lead-up or during the Capcom Cup, 
but uh, the event was recently canceled due to the ongoing impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. The event details will most likely include the reveal of a new gameplay mechanic, esports circuit news, and the release date for the season's first DLC fighter, Dan Hibiki. There is also a confirmation by the director of the game that we will get a deeper look at Rose, who is scheduled to release in the spring, as well as the new costumes being added to the games in the next update. So we're going to get Dan, we're going to get, uh, he said a deeper look at Rose, but it doesn't mean that we're going to get gameplay or we we'll probably might get like concept art or maybe like, I don't know, a cutscene. Like, you know how they have like the little uh, cutscenes in the story mode. Maybe we'll get that for Rose. Man, I, I just feel like it's like... I feel like they're just beating that dead horse and hoping it'll revive, man. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just like, ah, oh, dude, like, you need a new Street Fighter, man. That one should have been shelved, like, a couple years after that. Been, been, it's been so long for it to be doo-doo type of thing, man. Like, they, they haven't even gave it real quality of life updates, man. All they're doing now is just, you know what it reminds me of, actually, man? It reminds me of an old MMORPG I used to love playing. It was called Trickster Online, dude. I love this game. But to be honest... After a while, they weren't updating the game, really. All they were doing is adding these boxes that had random items that you really wanted because of the stats. And they just kept adding more ways to mi- do microtransactions, basically. To the point where it was, you realize that and you sat down and you're like, they don't care about this game. All they're trying to do at this point is take as much money as they can out of this goddamn thing. And lo and behold, it shut down like a while later, man, after it was just on a decline. Man, it would suck, too, because I really like that game. But like they ruined it, man. It became so into this this whole thing of nah updates. Nah, let's just keep adding more money and change a couple small little things here and there. But you got to we're going to definitely add characters. We're going to definitely add costumes. We're going to definitely add stages, all these things that they're adding just to see if they can make more money out of it. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, I just don't think they would have been ready with Street Fighter VI. I I really believe that Capcom did not envision this game going five seasons. I don't think they even wanted it, but they were kind of forced to be like, well, six is just not going to be ready in time. We have to do season five. It would be nice to know if all the money we're putting into it is really going to six, six, which I hope. I don't know. We'll see. I think, you know what? Everything will be forgiven if the final character for Street Fighter five is the tall vampire lady from resident evil. Oh, (laughs) yeah. The internet will be cool with that freaks okay this is technically topic of the week but it's a precursor to topic of the week so pringle i don't know if you saw this the Mm. vice fgc documentary Mm, i didn't know about that yeah it's pretty interesting now it's a 23 minute long documentary titled inside the world of fighting games reset and it's made by the media company vice it was published on january 29th 2021 so It currently has, I think, 300,000 views on YouTube, so it's doing pretty good. It's a well-put-together documentary, but I had some, not gripes with it, but it's it's certainly divisive, and almost literally because I believe it's split into two parts. So... I jotted some things down, and if you have not heard of this documentary, give it a give it a watch. It's twenty three minutes. It's pretty good. Yo, I just saw the uh, the the thumbnail. Why they gotta have that man without a shirt on it, man? Like they already messing me up right now. <laughs> that thumbnail looking rough, man. Why they had to pick out of all the thumbnails? They picked the one with this dude with no shirt on. Like, come on, man. I think that kind of encompasses grassroots FGC, though, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> out of all of the ones in the world. <laughs> I mean, this man, what I'm sure. Yeah, it's pretty funny, though. I'll go for it. 
Yeah. The, the first half of the documentary tells the story of FGC grassroots scene, uh, specifically in North America, U.S. East Coast, U.S. West Coast. It's arcade culture, history, and how it's a cultivated passion around fighting games, right? Because fighting games, they're close, they're personal, everybody's in the same space. The way it started up from just being in from basements to being in, in delis, and then you find arcade machines in the weirdest spots. So it basically, it, it was as grassroots as grassroots can be. However, the second half of the documentary pointed out the discrepancy between the FGC and premier esports circuits when it comes to prize pools and exposure. It then also highlighted the male-dominated demographic in the FGC, and I have a quote here. During a documentary, there's a quote that says, In a scene that has been predominantly filled by testosterone and intense competition, players have often taken trash talk too far. End quote. That's a quote in the documentary as they're showing this old school footage of people basically talking smack to each other. And then they're going into it as like, well, it's grassroots. But, you know, now the FGC is kind of growing into the esports realm. So they have to tone it down. It also touched on the fact that, you know, because we're going to the esports realm, maturation, the process from grassroots and arcade culture to public esports culture has been overshadowed with the Aww. harassment and sexual abuse allegations the scene faced, especially last summer. And you could see, I don't know what the like to dislike ratio is now with that video, but early on, you could tell that just from the feedback in the comment section, a lot of people really loved what the first half of the video was because it showed the FGC and how it started. But the way it ended was very strange because it basically like it did such a good job of building up the FGC within the first 12 minutes. And then it broke it down and really just put it like shattered it within Dude. the last 11 minutes. It was weird. I, I clicked it just to, you know, see if there was a dislike. So Dude, the first, the, the first sentence on the description of the video says content warning at 22 43 for explicit depiction of transphobia why that's like the last minute of the video oh man dude make us look like bags yeah it, it was weird i think the video should have been in two parts because the first part was so well done and it showed kind of what north american arcade culture was like and then the second half was just it was a weirdly paced video i didn't really feel like it was needed maybe in a separate video but anyway, you just touched on it, right? So it touched on the the whole sexual abuse allegations that we had last summer and all, all everything that we had happened in the scene. It then transitioned to the efforts made by female-led group within the fighting game community like EXO Academy and Combo Queens and how they're opening the doors for more women to become comfortable in the fighting game scene. And lastly, you just alluded to the documentary closed with the way fighting games has treated inclusivity in its community and how it had numerous occasions of targeting minority female members, primarily black and Asian women, as well as trans shaming. So before we get to my note here on the bottom, you haven't seen the video, but I, I will tell you, I think you'll love the first half and then you'll okay. drop off the second half. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, there's a one thing I, I want to touch on here, and I don't know how you feel about this. DFGC and a lot of people and this is was a theme i think maybe 18 months ago or so people were bringing up there's not enough inclusivity in the fgc and mm. somebody brought this point to 
how they compare the FGC compared to League, compared to Dota, compared to StarCraft. And if you look at our players, you look at our commentators, you look at our tournament organizers, the FGC statistically, even though we're smaller in numbers, we have the most inclusivity. <laughs> if you look at like who plays the games, it's yeah. women, it's men, it's trans, it's black, it's white, Hispanic, Asian, it's everybody. Where, I'm sorry, you look at League, it's white dudes and, and white chicks. You look Man. at StarCraft, it's mostly Asians. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah dude they love that stuff <laughs> so when they say like there's no inclusivity in the fgc i'm like i don't know about that i think we've actually been pretty good about it it's just but when things blow up they blow up pretty hard the culture is different yes i can recognize that but i don't agree with the whole inclusivity thing is like we're not welcoming to women and we're not welcoming to trans people i don't agree with that i think we've had some problems but i don't know what community doesn't and I don't know. It's just weird. I, I didn't like the fact that it was almost being singled out as like, well, the FCC is like that. And it's like, well, no, I think every community is like that. But you're just highlighting our bad parts. I mean, I'm sure you could go look at League of Legends and be like, hmm, they're not all uh, inclusive over there, are they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Dude, that's some bull crap, man. That's some bull bull, man. That's some BS. The fact that they like, it's amazing how... See, this is why I know as soon as I read that description, I'm like, ah, oh, it's one of those, man, where they're going to talk smack about all the things we've done bad and leave it that at the end instead of talking it in the middle and then saying the FGC still will redeem itself and it's made great strides in supporting all kinds of people from all different colors. Eh, I don't give a damn what you look like. You could be green, purple, orange. Hey, man, let's hit them buttons and you tell you show me how good you are. That's what really matters. And I think that the FGC is really well at that. But yes, there's always going to be hiccups. No community is perfect. I would love you to show me the right and perfect community where there's not a scumbag or two. I mean, it's human nature. Like, there's just no way you can get away with that. I mean, look at the Smash community. They got everybody, legit everybody from all colors, all creed, all kinds of crap. And they face like this, this huge onslaught of just like all this crap just coming out of nowhere. But they got all kinds of inclusivity. So, like, it's it's still it's still ridiculous why I, I feel like i feel like that's a pandering thing when they keep talking about these people these like uh it almost is like it almost feels like sometimes dude it's like they're protecting me now you know what i mean it's like what is all this like extra protection and padding for who i am as a person just because i'm black like it's like dude everybody goes there and they're just playing fighting games they're not looking at you for what color you are what your person is some people may hey that's them that whatever who cares but man especially in my scene we come in we come in we all having fun we come to play we go home that's it that's how that goes and like i would say the same thing for league it's predominantly a white esports man let's be real like the big teams it's like six white dudes and they're all like in their 20s or maybe in their early 30s or something like that and that's all you're getting you can Sometimes, take a look at the commentators too yeah man they're like boring and like dude come on man. like <laughs> that's a but it's, the it's all white it people yeah it's all predominant it's like the whitest people man let's be honest man <laughs> and there's no problem with that it's just the majority of those people play those games and you can say yes there is more people there's more women but that's because in general that place is much 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 bigger what happens is is that in a lot of tournaments is that we're not getting a lot of women in tournaments because 
in general, they just don't get too competitive with the uh, the scene in fighting games. Like they're just they're not too competitive with that type of stuff, and that's fine. But we do get women. It's not like we don't. We do get other people from other colors, of, and it exists. But the fact that you have it where there's not like a the people, the women that play those games like Lee and Dota, there's just so much of a big focus because they're playing a much more popular game. But there is so few and far in between. And even then, I don't see them in the big tournaments here and there. Like, I don't see those women usually because I would say personally, man, not to be rude or anything, but like, and be real, but like women generally aren't too like invested into uh, those kind of games, like those kind of competitive games. They are into it, but they, they not as much as males are. Right? Maybe it has something to do with the uh, advertising when we were younger, like in the 80s, where they advertise uh, Transformers and they advertise Transformers for dudes and, and Barbies for girls, but like they're just not too interested in it. And, and that's fine. But that don't got anything really to do, I think, with, oh, we keep it like, oh, only the only fighting games is just men. It's just nothing but dudes and just high dick energy circle jerking each other. It's like, nah, man, we're not like that, dude. Like nine times out of ten, it's not like that. And then you'll get the really bad minority. But it's just just kind of like the belly of the beast, man. You know what I mean? It's just the nature of it all. I, I share exact same sentiment what you just said. Yeah, man. And it, I would even say it sucks that there is so much like, oh, you, you're a girl or you're a black or, or you're man. I, like, yo, man, I'll be honest, man. I'm going to damn if I'm black, man. I don't. It's just it's just my skin tone, dude. Like, sure, there's isms. Everyone got isms because of it's a culture thing. I feel like it's more of a culture thing. You could be a, you could be a black guy that grew up in England and you'll just have your isms and. It'll be different because you culturally grew up different. A culture is, is what it is. It's Everybody's different. I mean, the culture in Japan is that they're very closed. The culture in, I don't know, New York City is that everybody's pretty raw and in your face. The culture in California is that people are kind of passive. It's it's, it's like a cultural thing. So it's mm. like, I don't know, like it's all this like type of stuff. I feel like that people put so much emphasis into when in reality, it's just about we just got to make sure that we don't be a dick. We got to keep each other safe. It doesn't matter if you're female or male. Keep each other safe. Police each other. Look out for each other. And we keep playing these games. But I hate when they do this whole thing with the gender and uh, the race. And man, I damn about all that crap, man. I feel like as soon as people mention race and gender, they're just adding more subgroups into whatever is already a subgroup. Like, like it's like more subcategories to my already subcategorized genre of whatever the hell i like like come I on know. man it's, it's the fgc keeps getting nicher yeah and it's like i hate that because it, what it does is that it creates borders and dividers in there when it's like no dude it's not about those type of things it's about just coming together and playing video games and enjoying each other and maybe becoming friends with people that's that's what it's about but i hate when they do that type of stuff because it's like ah i just i hate that stuff and it happened it's been happening a lot with you know, nowadays where it's become too much of like a social media emphasis and influence, I mean, and like just, oh, this is that, and this, this is, these are women and, and these are black and these are brown and these are white. I'm like, man, yo, in the end, the only color that matters is green because that's what we need to play these fighting games. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and it's not like it's perfect with mm -hmm. those, when they make their own groups. You know what? All right. Let yeah. me say this because this is Hollywood, right? We keep it real. Yeah, man. I'm sorry, but I see every time I see one of these groups, be it it's Combo Queens, it's Black Girl Gamers, it's Exo Academy, or recently it's Queens of Quarantine. There's always something going on that you see on Twitter, or you see on Reddit, there's some drama. And 
listen, guys in the FGC, some of them, they got their own issues. Obviously, we saw that this summer. But mm-hmm. I, do, I don't think that men in the FGC are impeding women's progress in the FGC. Oh, yeah, man. I don't like see. That's another big thing. And that's I'd even go back to saying that's because women like women aren't too invested into these games. I mean, I remember I didn't converse, converse with my girlfriend about that. She was playing. She's been playing a mobile game. And it's like, yeah, I mean, did you know that I and I could be wrong about this, but last I researched that the big majority of people that play mobile games are women. And it's because it's more of a casual experience. It's the same thing with Sims, Animal Crossing, uh, any of those type of games, those very casual, Stardew Valley, those very casually orientated games are predominantly played by women. While uh, while as men, we like to seek a challenge in the way we enjoy our games. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just we're different, man. You know what I'm saying? You made out of screws and bolts. I'm made out of nuts and bolts or whatever. I don't know. So like. It's like it's just that difference. And I don't like those. I don't really like those because, yeah, I feel like there's sometimes too is like a, some sort of progress. Like, man, when we going to make Hitbox Kings, bro? <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Right? I was making that joke. Hitbox. Dude, when we going to make Hitbox Kings, man? And I bet if we made it, people would hate us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anytime. Yeah, it's a double standard, unfortunately. And listen, I don't want Hitbox Kings, but I was just doing it as a joke. Like, could you imagine yeah, if, you know, Similar to combo queens, if can only play on hitbox and you have to be a guy, and that's those mm-hmm. are the rules. And we're gonna propel people and 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 the FGC that play on hitbox and are men because you know we need our voices to be heard. I'm not saying women <laughs> don't need their voices to be heard, but listen, uh, we were just talking about inclusivity. We got everybody here. We got a lot of voices, and mm-hmm. this sounds harsh, but if you want your voices to be heard, you know you got to get good. And by the way, the Vice documentary just proved that because. Whose voice got heard in that Vice documentary? Cuddlecore, who's a top uh-huh. Tekken player. She's not there because she's a woman. She's there because she's a badass Tekken player. She wins. Yeah. She's not making Vice if she's going 0-2 in a tournament. <laughs> That's not uh-huh. happening. Yeah, man. And then you got Sharpie, who's leading, who's a co-founder of Combo Queens. So mm-hmm. those two women aren't there because they're just women. Those two women are there because they worked for something and that's the platform i'm sorry in the fgc you got to earn it yeah you got to do something for it you can't expect for people to listen when you're not doing anything you're not saying anything so how are people going to listen it's 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 true man yeah cuddle core got a voice because you know now i mean like it's the same thing you can say because people pay attention to her is because she's a really good tekken player if she wasn't people probably wouldn't really pay attention to her she'd have to be really good at content creation and or something that make people interested in her. They're not going to pay attention to her just because she's a chick. Maybe, well, some, you know, some weirdos will. But yeah, that's guy. not going to help too much. You know what I'm saying? The grand scheme of things, you're just sitting in front of a, well, actually, you know, some weirdos will. But still, it's not going to help as much, especially in a niche, already niche division of things. Like, you need something. Like, in Sharpie's case, I would also say she did, like, she, she helped um, uh, organize a lot of tours for the Scorpios community and stuff like that. So you have somebody that, put out the work to get some kind of recognition for that. There's also women that have done a lot that are underappreciated, but I, I think that's in every community. So I just, I don't like the whole, oh, we have to focus on this group because apparently, you know, everybody says that they're, they're being oppressed or whatever, like they're not being respected. I don't know. I, just, I don't think that's the case. That's why I didn't like the second half of this documentary at all. If you bring all that stuff up, it's, it's because this, the stuff happened last year, but if, 
if we were in 2018, it would be nothing but good stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because nothing like that really happened. Well, of course it did, but not as a as a focus. It wasn't like the hot light of like this is everything that's happening last year. But if it was mm. like 2019, it would have been like, oh, now all this good stuff happened. But they just had to focus on the negative, which is it's like I hate that because it's like if you're gonna do that, you have to kind of spin it and put it in the full circle. You can't just talk about the bad and the good and then not talk about like the in-between because things aren't black and white. It's a lot of gray. There is there is a lot of gray. And you know what's weird too? Like I don't know why I'm really trying to bat for the FGC because, you know, you and I talked, right? We were on DMs and yeah. we were talking and I don't even feel the same about the FGC now as I did last year, for example. Um, I don't like the FGC. I like I like Hollywood. <laughs> Right, like I like our community, but uh, the the big FGC or whatever you want to call it, I, I'm still a part of it technically because I love fighting games and I play them or whatever, and I cover them. But I like my little community, and I don't really like the the proper quote unquote FGC. I guess you want to call it. It's cool, yeah. and I, I like the environment. But for example, like you and I, like uh, I sent you my block list on Twitter, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that thing's long. <laughs> yeah, I block. So I have I have two reasons why I block people. One, you probably spam things that either people they retweet or they like, and then it shows up on my timeline. And it's not personal, to be honest. Like I block a lot of VTubers mm -hmm. and people that share VTuber content. And it's one, it's you know, it's mostly it's annoying. But I use Twitter in a way where I I get news for the podcast and I get game sales and I get things that I think. They help me create content. So when I see just random art or when I see VTubers, you know, they, they show up and they're like, hey, come catch my stream. It's like, I don't want this. Like, it's not my the content. <laughs> yeah, man, I feel it. So I just block and it's easy. It's not personal. It's just like, nah. Like you said, uh, there was one guy who was like, oh, man, you blocked that guy. It's like, yeah, it's not personal. He just he retweets a lot of things or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely understandable. I hate that too, yeah. And then the rest, I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to say any names, right, because uh, we try to keep it classy even though we keep it real, is that, and by the way, some of them were in that Vice documentary, I'm just saying, but there's a lot, <laughs> of, there's a lot of people in this community who aren't what you think they are, and... They're so good at acting one way, but they're a completely different way. I mean, I've had a lot of interactions with people, and even though they were online, it does tell you a lot as far as, like, you know, common courtesy and respect. is. It's not what you think it is. And you were surprised by a couple of the people that I have blocked on Twitter. And again, those no, are my... No, I wouldn't say I was surprised. I just wanted to know the reason, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Man. I was like, oh, because I was like, oh, what's the reason? That's really my surprise. I want to know why. Okay, okay. Yeah, that, that's fair. It's like most of these people, man, I don't like it's, it's an already niche, which is an already niche thing. And it's like you have like such a small group of people and their hands get so goddamn big because they get any form of popularity or mm -hmm. follow stuff like that. Their head get big as hell, man. So I'm like, nah, I'm not surprised. And to be honest, blocking those people makes my experience on the online realm of the FGC much more enjoyable. It's, I find it to be less toxic, less annoying, and less fake. And yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah. There's a lot of fake people in this community, unfortunately, and I just, you know, I don't, I don't vibe with that. I think you should be real. And I, by the way, it goes both ways. Like when people listen to this podcast, they're not going to agree with me, being like, "How dare you not?" You know 
support what Vice was saying in that in that message or whatever. It's like you know, it's called opinions, and you're willing to have one. Like you just shared that video about Evangelion, dude. Mm -hmm. That guy has an opinion. He thinks it's trash. <laughs> it was perfect. It was perfect video. <laughs> perfect. I love it. it. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I think the FGC should be. Also, that's why I, I, I have the right to uh, block these fools. <laughs> <laughs> Come catch this block, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. I like, I, yeah, that's one of the big problems, too, I feel that I have with a lot of them. They're, this is how you know someone is bullcrapping you, man. Some people, like, okay, so some people, this might help you in, re in real life. Some people are very helpful to you when it, when it isn't a convenience to them. So whenever you notice someone is so helpful and like they're cool with most of the stuff, but only in their convenience, that might be that's that's that might be a person that whenever things go bad and it's not in their convenience, they kind of like throw you across the ground. Those are the people that are really fake. And those are the hard. Those are the people that you got to really look deep into. I would say those are the people you should stay away from. And I'd say even even in communities, there's a lot of people like that you might not believe but there are a lot of people like for instance if something bad happens to you and they don't ask questions and they just take your side i kind of don't want that person mm -hmm. <laughs> in a way like i want somebody that asks questions and is willing to take my side after he has a good understanding of the situation the and the opposite the fgc is so quick to cancel somebody they don't ask any questions exactly dude I, i'd say sometimes of course everything is situation dependent but if it's if it's the person that's that's there for you and he's there for you even when the bad things happen, that's a person you want to stick around with, and those are the people you should look for in communities. I think I've said it before, but I'm not really part of like the Skullgirls community, and like based off my experience with them or the people that I have met in the community um, offline, has been sour. So like, <laughs> so I could say like I can't say that there's a big part of them that's. Oh man, these great people. It's like I can't really say that from experience, but I know some people here and there that I might be good. But even then, man, when when stuff hits the fan, man, when crap hits the fan, and your homies are there for you, man, those are the homies you need to stick with, man. Those are your ride or dies, man. You need some ride or dies. You don't need no homie that'll ride and be. And then when the engine breaks, he's like, "Oh man, you could pay for that." I'm like, "Hell no!" <laughs> <laughs> right. That's. I mean, you've kind of explained it too. Like that's why I don't really subscribe to the notion that you have to be a part mm -hmm. of the the proper FGC anymore. That's why I like smaller yeah. communities when the FGC, even though if it, it sounds clicky, it sounds weird, but man, uh, it's the pro that's the reason why we're called Hollywood. Like the man, the big FGC, the Hollywood FGC, not us, but the big one, like they, they don't got your back, man. They really don't. Mm -mm. If, if Mike Ross isn't an example, if Mike Z isn't an example, you know, if Chris G is an example, They'll throw anybody under the bus. And I know Gutex went a little crazy. He's out too. So Yeah, man. And these are people that put a lot into the system. You know, they put a lot into their community. I at least have their back for certain things, man. It's not it's not bad to to stick with somebody, even if you know that they're not the best person. If you're willing sometimes if you're willing to kind of move past those things and accept them. For what they are you, you know you're not going to expect anything out of them but sometimes it's not bad to stick with someone even though he's not the worst kind of like i don't know prison man a lot of people in there man they make friends i mean you got to make friends right to survive really even if you know some dude around you is probably not as good as you i guess so it's like yeah it's it depends on what your criteria is. like we were talking i think off uh before we started recording 
is how I, I really like Tom Brady, right? The MK guy. Mm-hmm. And even though a lot of people have, you know, they don't want to do anything with Tom Brady anymore because of the whole uh, donation fiasco and everything. He, I find him to be really interesting. I don't even care about Mortal Kombat, but I like high-level knowledge. And that dude has high-level knowledge in a game that I don't yeah. even play. So I find that fascinating. So I'm willing to put that away, put that aside, be like, well, you know, what he did with the donations was pretty scummy. But he's interesting enough for me that I'm like, ah, all right. I can, you know, I can look aside. <laughs> he apologized. <laughs> sometimes, man, it, it's like I said, it's just a whole lot of gray. But I think I'd also say sometimes, you know, you got to you got to understand, man, like uh, some people, they do wrong, but they can be better. Everybody can be better. You know, Everybody can be. Some people do some serious heinous, heinous ass things, but you know they can be better, and they still should face their retribution, their sins and stuff. But you know you can't, you can't, you shouldn't stop somebody from trying to be better either. Mm-hmm. Well said. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't checked out that Vice documentary, I I think it's a good watch, and it's also nice that the FGC got a little bit of a uh, spotlight. I think the first twelve or so minutes are really, really well done, and even the second half, you know, it's not that it's not well done. It's just. It, I don't think it paints the correct picture of what... I just don't think they should have ended with it. I think it should have been two different videos. But it's still a well-put-together documentary. So I, I, do, I did enjoy it. Yeah, okay. So we got two more news items and then the topic of the week. So meet all expectations, Pringle. We're going to do this every week until they say otherwise. <laughs> On February 3rd, 2021, SNK revealed the Ori Yagami debut trailer to the King of Fighters 15, and in a similar fashion to the previous two trailers, the gameplay and presentation seemed much improved after the initial trailer of the game. Iori is shown with a bit of a new look, yet he still maintains most gameplay elements that made him so formidable in previous KOF titles. It is to be seen if the infamous secretaries Mature and my personal waifu Vice are to follow next and make up the traditional Team Yagami. Did you see Iori's trailer? Yeah, I, I liked the beginning. It was like, dun, 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 and they showed them and flashed the. They're much better, man. They're getting better. They're definitely getting better with the trailer game right now. They are. Yeah, I, I really liked it. It's ever since that Shunei trailer, man. Meitenkun, yeah. Benimaru, and now Iori, they've been really good. They've looked better. They've seemed to have moved better as far as how the characters are animated with their moves. And yeah, um, you know. They're they're not shattering, but they're meeting. They're meeting my expectations. Yeah, yeah, they're they're getting better definitely, and that's that's good. And I, I guess what I said is going to be true, where they're just going to keep popping the next every week is going to be a new character, which I think is a cool method of flavoring up the character trailer system. Yeah, and you know now I know I don't have to yell at, uh, at Twitter and be like, "Where's the where's the announcement?" Now I know every Thursday eight p.m. It'll be there. Yeah, man. It's cool. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep a lookout. It'd be nice if the secretaries follow and uh, we get mature advice next. But, you know, they did throw a curveball at us with Team Hero when we thought it was going to be Team China with I Benny Maru. So we'll see. It's going to be Team Sadistic or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the final news item of this week. The Day of Reckoning is nearly here. Pringle, Guilty Gear Strive, Cross, Rollback, Netcode. On February 5th, 2021, Arc System Works announced the dates for its upcoming Guilty Gear Strive open beta test. The open beta test will be available on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 from 7 p.m. Pacific on February 18th to 7 a.m. Pacific on February 21st. Players who pre-order digitally will be able to download the open beta a day early on February 17th, 10 a.m. Pacific time and start playing from 7 a.m. Pacific time. 
or rather 7 p.m. Pacific time. There will be four total modes players will have access to during the beta, those being training, tutorial, versus, and network, which will feature rollback netcode unlike the previous beta, which had delay best net base netcode. Players will be able to play 13 out of the 15 total characters with Anji Mito and the final unannounced character remaining unplayable for this beta. It is also important to note that a PlayStation Plus subscription will not be required in order to play online matches during the beta. So that's cool. My roommate has a PlayStation 4 that's collecting dust. It has Nobody's touched it since I beat Persona 5 Royal <laughs> in August. Nobody's touched it. It's there collecting dust, but... Jam has a question here on Discord. He says, there's no reason not to try the Guilty Gear Strive open beta. Which characters are you going to play? Which characters are you not going to touch? Since Eno, no buy, lol, for Mac, and May being stripped, not literally, for Pringle. <laughs> I like how he put that in the post. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Uh, first of all, are you playing the beta? Yeah, man, we got to test it out, man. We gotta, we're going to have to test it out, dude. We're Sweet. Gonna- yeah, uh, I don't know who I'll play though. I probably like I'll probably try May, and then I'm just gonna roll random again. But I'll probably okay. see May, and then I'm gonna be like, ah oh, man, it's not the same. And then I'm just gonna hit random and let's go with that. Right. So yeah, like you said, there is no excuse. I don't have PlayStation Plus, so that was gonna be my barrier to entry. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> that was gonna be mine. I was like, well, <laughs> but. Uh, it is nice that they're doing that, right? That means I get to play and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be able to test it out. As far as which character, uh, I don't know. I'll have to take get a feel for them all. But uh, visually so far, because Eno's not in the game, the one that's most appealing to me is Giovanna. So yeah, I think I'll give her a shot. The one with the MC Hammer pants? Yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. The wide pants. Dude. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully it's fun. I mean, I'm, that's cool that they did a beta. We're going to play the basic. We're, we're playing basically the final the final thing. Like, this is it. This game, if we don't enjoy this game, the amount of time we play it, it's not going to be good. <laughs> yeah, gonna be you're good. right. And, and, and correction, my bad. If we don't feel like this is a good game, because we can have fun. You can have fun with marbles, goddammit. That don't mean it's great. So <laughs> we, we can have fun with it, but I don't mean it'll be good. So honestly, this is probably going to be like the final project. I don't think anything much is going to change after this uh, beta. And like, if anybody thinks that, probably you're probably wrong in this case, because like, I doubt anything is going to change. They're probably just going to do like a stress test to see how good the rollback is on this one. Yeah, I would assume this will be pretty close to the final build. This game is coming mm-hmm. out in April. It's February. So yeah. And man, this is it, man. The, the, We'll see how good this netcode is once we play. Mm-hmm. What is this, like two weeks almost? Yeah, just about two weeks. Yeah, nice. This is, how long is it? Is it like 12 hours, is it? 7 p.m. to 7 a.m.? So it's a 12-hour block of the game. So it's from the 18th to the 21st. Yeah. So, yeah, you'll be able to uh, test it. Obviously, if you have a pre-order, you get a, a day early, but uh, that's not going to be my case. I'm going to see you all on the 18th. <laughs> hey, man, I swear this rollback is like, here's a question. Do you think we'll be able to change the amount of frames? Probably not, man. I feel like that's not been a staple. I don't think so. I think only Code Mystics has done like the blended uh, delay. and Well, actually, not. that's not true because GGPO does that as well. Yeah, exactly, because GGPO lets you change the frames of like, Tim's Fighting Herds and Skullgirls, and that's like perfect because that's that's basically what lets you play with people. That's basically the merit of using GGP on rollback. Mm-hmm. Not just because it's rollback, but because you can 
control manually control the amount of frames and delay so you can have like delay game with better like with better looks or like right there offline game with like freaking stuttering and dalcine teleports yeah and also like uh if there's a ping display a lot of times these games that have ggpo incorporated they give you a recommendation like tfh it'll it'll see like it's at 90 ping and it'll be like well we recommend one to two we'll see how they do it i'm excited to test it out we'll see the quality of this rollback and you know i said i was probably going to buy this game regardless maybe not at launch but just for the fact that it did have it did incorporate rollback netcode into it I would hope that the rollback netcode is sufficient. The only, I would say the only reason why I wouldn't buy this game down the line, unlike Rainbow Fantasy Versus, which I have no interest in buying whatsoever, mm-hmm. is with this game, it's it's still Guilty Gear, so it's interesting to me. The only way I don't buy this game is if it has Street Fighter V netcode. Oh, man. Jesus Christ. I yeah. swear to God, if it has that, we're just, I mean, I, that that's going to be the topic of the whole podcast. Well, <laughs> we're gonna play it on friday and then we have to talk about it that saturday Mm -hmm. so we're gonna talk about how bad that rollback is and i swear to god if it's bad (laughs) i swear to you it's bad i'm I'm gonna talk the holy gospel of how bad that rollback is oh man yeah let's hope not yep all right we're finally here fighting game topic of the week and we alluded to that because i'm going to bring up the vice documentary and this one as well but this one is titled yes the fgc is poverty thanks for the reminder on February 2nd, 2021, Ubisoft and Blue Mammoth Games announced its 2021 Brawlhalla esports program with a total prize pool of $1 million. God damn. Yep. What are we doing? Let's exactly. get into Brawlhalla, man. That game's fun. <laughs> I know. It is free, yeah. Has rollback, too. Yeah, what? Yeah. Uh, the sixth year of esports competition for the game will have five international championships planned for, from February to November 2021. The 2021 season will kickstart with the winner championship with a $75,000 total prize pool. This online tournament will happen from 27th February until 14th of March. Complete details of the competitive schedule can be found on the official competition website at Brawlhalla slash forward or rather brawlhalla.com slash forward esports. The $1 million prize pool is significant as it is quite a contrast compared to what many of the larger fighting game titles in esports in the esports scenes offer mortal kombat 11 ultimate has allocated just sixty thousand dollars for this season street fighter 5 in 2019 allocated two hundred fifty thousand dollars. that was the highest that was the the cap that we got and tekken 7 if i remember that infamously only paid uh rank chu who won the 2018 they paid the champion of tekken world tour in 2018 eight thousand dollars for his first place winnings. Nobody else won anything? Well, that was the whole prize pool. I think it was like $60,000, but the winner got eight. Oh, okay. The dude wins one of the hardest fighting game tournaments on planet Earth, if not the hardest fighting game Tekken tournament on planet Earth, with Panda. And mm. he gets $8,000. Uh, the one thing to note that separates Valhalla from the previous previously mentioned fighting game titles is its free-to-play model. A model which is common in almost every top echelon esports title. So that's, you know, League, Dota, all those big ones. They're all free to play. Whereas Mortal Kombat, Tekken 7, you know, they have, you have to still buy a, buy the copy of the game first and then you get to play. Now, speaking of the Vice documentary, as noted there during their little esports uh, segment, is 
the lifetime payout for Evolution, the biggest fighting game tournament on Earth, is $1.8 million for the last 23 years. And that is by far trumped by every single major esports <laughs> game. Yo, you for real? Only, God, yeah. Damn. 23 years get trumped by a single year of Dota 2, which was $34.2 million in 2019, $4.1 million for PUBG in 2019, and $15.3 million for Fortnite in 2019. 23 years of EVO, and I'm not talking about just the Street Fighter prize pot, just the Tekken mm -hmm. prize pot. This is combined. This is everything. 23 years of EVO can't get to half of what the PUBG prize pool was in 2019. That's how poverty the FGC is. Bro, a free game trumped us in, in like all the time we've been in. And you know what's funny, man? Brawlhalla is like, it's just a Smash clone. And they're making more money than Smash. <laughs> right. Oh, damn. Yeah, I think the problem with Smash is that they refuse to see that game as a competitive game. So I know, right? Yeah, Brawlhalla right. does. It's really cool for Brawlhalla. I don't want to take the spotlight out of that. Because, you know, that's a lot of money. And good for that community because it's growing. But it is uh, <laughs> kind of a downer. The fact that we have all these AAA games, Mortal Kombat 11, Tekken 7, Street Fighter 5, they can't even scratch the surface of mm -mm. what these top-tier esports games make a year. Like, it's not even close. And, in fact, you probably couldn't combine all three of our biggest games and scratch the surface of, like, Fortnite. Mm -hmm. We're so poverty. <laughs> dude, and, the, and it's just the fact that Brawlhalla is a free game, dude. It's a free game that they probably made on a shoestring budget. And their their first thoughts were, we just want everyone to have fun. God damn, they took a dump on that. They said, have fun. Now we making bread, man. We having fun and we getting paid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, that's the FGC as long as I've been around. And dude. I don't see it changing anytime soon. But then again, who knows? You know, Project L could be the game, but it also could just be another game. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. If Project L manages to trump the numbers of Smash, then they'll probably have the bread, man. Because, like, Smash got the numbers. They just don't got the support. But if they could trump that number, those numbers, that's nuts, man. They'll probably be making bank. I'm playing that game. I'm playing right. that one. <laughs> just a question. Do you think Project L comes out free? I don't know, man. Maybe. Like, I, I really am unsure of that. I think they might, though, because there, there's such a big focus on the free-to-play model or free-to-pay model in, in Leap. So I think they might follow that because it's garnered so much success. So I don't think there will be a reason for them to change that idea. They might do the thing where it's like, well, since it's 3D models, they'll probably do it where it's like, oh, you could get the outfits with your character. And you could buy this and you can buy that for the carrier. So they might do it the same kind of way is what I'm thinking. Hmm. Because if we get something like that, where Project L comes into the scene and they bring the, the esports money with them, mm -hmm. I wonder if, if that could make other AAA games in the scene like MK, Street Fighter, Tekken follow suit in what Project L is doing. I'd even say that if Project, Project L would be like this, pull out, they got, I don't know, like 20 characters. Free ass game. You could buy all these things on your game. Our first tournament is gonna be a I don't know a ten grand cash prize. Free game. You know how much numbers they'll get? Like oh, five yeah. or ten grand. They get all these numbers, and they get all these people, and then all these people look into the game. They're like, oh, I think I want to get into this game, and then they get more and more people, and it's just the amount of people they'll have 
will double any amount of money they put in into any tournament right in the beginning of it all. It, if the free to pay model works, oh my god, it's gonna be like how you think Maple Story is still around, bro? They figured it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll see. That's uh, I think we're gonna have some interesting things happening within the FGC within the next couple of years. So stay yeah. tuned, y'all. All right, we got the uh, fighting game sales here. So only on PC. I couldn't find anything relevant on PlayStation, Xbox, or Switch, but we got some fanatical deals here. This sale ends on February 19th, 2021. We got Guilty Gear Plus R274, Exerd Rev 2809, Chaos Code, New Sign of Catastrophe, 359, Battle Fantasia Revised Edition. That's an oldie. 269. Uh, the Last Blade, 499. The King of Fighters 98, uh, final, or rather, UM Final Edition, 749. The King of Fighters 13, 499. Garo Mark of the Wolves, 499. Melty Blood, Actress Again, current code, $3.49. And Arcana Heart, Love Max, $5.39. And lastly, Undernight and Birth, EXC Late, $5.39. Man, it's weird how KO14 is not, like, cheaper. <laughs> I see 13 always on the sale, but not 14. Yeah, I wonder why that is, actually. Yeah, because I, I, for a second, I thought you said 14. I was like, oh, I'm going to cop that for 5 bucks, but never. It's never... It's like almost like full price. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. If I had the answers, Pringle, I think... Uh, actually, no. You don't want to give me the answers because I think the FTC would be far worse. would <laughs> <laughs> be going out there telling everybody. <laughs> Just fires everywhere. Oh, my God. God damn. Okay. We got listener questions. We got uh, Radix. At least I think that's how you say that name. On Discord asks, what would be... A really cool and innovative concept for a new fighting game archetype, even if it seems stupid or broken in theory. You know, I was thinking about this one, and if we're talking broken, then you give a grappler some zoning tools. <laughs> Man, that'd be interesting, dude. Hell yeah. Yeah, because you know the game plan for grapplers is mostly they need to get in, and they get zoned out. What if you gave somebody like a grappler, and we've seen grappler hybrids where you give grapplers mobility, but I don't know how many times you've seen a grappler that can chuck fireballs or like has some sort of projectile that can disrupt a rhythm, maybe get a knockdown. Now they can get in. So now they're a threat, not only from really up close because they got command grabs, but also mm-hmm. from far away. I think it would be broken because then, you know, what's the point of playing a zoning character if, if the grappler can't uh, get zoned out? But <laughs> You know, it, it would be fun. That would be dope. I got one. Uh, what about like uh, I just came to my head? What about a super turtle character? Like character like like that just wins off being like defensive, but not like zoning. Like you gotta hit him, and when you hit him, he's like he he ramps up his defensive or something. I don't know. He counter hits you or something. I mean, uh, like I don't think you ever see too turtley of a character, and if they are turtley, they usually have like zoning functions. Mm. What if like every hit is a push block if it's on block? Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> Where it's like, ah, he wins off being a turtle. That'd be cool. Instead of running away, because that's what a turtle usually has to do. It's like he's running away. It's like he's not a turtle, he's a rabbit. You just can't catch him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you sit there, because like usually you can't like so in fighting games, you can't just sit there and hold down back. What if there was a character that got rewarded for doing that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's why you don't want him to do it, but he ends up getting rewarded most of the time. One of those situations. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I will I will say the only character that I think 
is really good at being a wall because his recovery on his fireball is so quick that he can anti or any jump is guile. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but see, he's a zony character in a way too. Yeah, though. like he, he has to zone you. It's like, and and you have to approach him. That that is one thing though. Like I, I do like guile archetype for that. He's such a wall. Yeah, he's such a wall. Yeah, man. Big Sword on Discord asks, uh, one of the issues I hear from a lot of players, new and old, is how difficult it is to find matches in most fighting games. There's a lot of people who don't like joining a Discord server just to find matches to play online. Do you think newer fighting games should have an MMO-like hub world, like Dragon Ball Fighters or Them's Fighting Hers, to address this issue? I'm also aware that it's impossible that it's possible for players to just lurk and shitpost and not play at all. But you could always have a mute ignore function or an activity timer to address that. I don't have a lot of experience with Dragon Ball Fighters, although I know they have that hub and casuals, I think, really like it. That's nice. But nah, I, man, I don't like that one at all, man. It's you don't so like it? Fudge. Ugh, it's so claustrophobic, man. Because people are just like, there's so much people. And like, what, what is good about that one, though, is that you can jump to other lobby worlds. But in the main one where the main menu is, oh, it's just gross. It's just all over them. Everybody's all over the goddamn place, man. I hate it. <laughs> TFH does it a lot more. Yeah, I will say with TFH, though, what I found <laughs> is that he was he was talking about people who don't want to play and they're just there to shit post and just lurk or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's people, and like I don't know if you've how many times you've gone into a lobby. There's people that will join a lobby and they don't really want to play they'll just run from you so like i don't know how many times i'll see people chasing people for games and people are just running away <laughs> it's pretty funny that's really funny actually i i yeah I, i'll say that i think it would help a lot of that because personally i hate going into discord servers just to find matches i don't like doing it for Skullgirls, man because sometimes i just don't get nothing or when i do sometimes it's like a beginner and i don't have no problem with that but like Sometimes they just don't want to keep getting the ass beat, and that's yeah. understandable. So, like, I will say that TFH, I really like the way I'd say that's like the prime way personally for me because there's plenty of little things you could do in the TFH lobby, and you can also change, you know, how your character looks and avatar and stuff. So, I really like how they do it, and I think it helps because you can also communicate in those lobbies. So, it's perfect for like PC players because we got keyboards, so you mm-hmm. can always just talk to people in those things. And if you want to keep playing somebody, you could add them on Steam or something like that and talk to them more on there. But I definitely don't like it the way it is in like uh, in other games where there's like not really a good lobby system and stuff like that. Like, I'm not too much of a fan. Skullgirls kind of failed in that like, because of their lobby system is kind of just one and done right there. But there's other games that similar like uh, Street Fighter. They do a Street Fighter 5 doesn't. And I hate the lobby system there, but you can talk in that one. But I'm not. I'm not really a fan of those. And I think it's better when there is a system in play that helps people come together. And it I'd even say it makes people more enthralled into like wanting to play a game online and just hop online and just play people there. And it's super quick as opposed to it being this like thing where you have to go online. It's a discord fighter. And I just don't like doing that at all, man. I hate that. Yeah, I will agree. I, outside of like the little mini game of people just like running away in TFH, that lobby is pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right, your buddy Oblivious on Discord asks, "What do you think of move variations and character select? Prime examples: Mortal Kombat X and Mortal Kombat 11, and to a lesser extent, Third Strike with the supers." I don't know about. Uh, I don't play a lot of Third Strike, so I can't really tell you. But I liked the uh, MKX variations. Were, those were cool. They kind of make the character a little bit different, but for the most part, the character still is the same. They just have a couple of attributes that 
couple of moves that are different, but I don't know. It's all right. Yeah. I I would say that it feels so like there's like the way Third Strike does it, Spider Ultras does it too, where you have different ultras. Mm. And uh I mean there's Melty that does it in a whole nother, like in a whole nother level. Like yeah. that's like a guy different character. But I, I think there's a lot of cool I really like that actually because it can make a character I like the way Melty does it. It can make a character that you don't like how they play, but you want to play the character. And because they have a different moon, you could play them a different way and it makes it more enjoyable. I like that kind of aspect. Yeah, I think it makes a bigger impact the way Melty does it compared to MKX. MKX, you're still playing the same character, but they have a couple of different utilities depending on the variation. Whereas Melty, the character now has a completely different game plan because their their focus is on either like single shot offense or long combos. And you'll be able to find yourself as like, oh man, I really like Crescent Moon, this character, but I hate them in Full Moon, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird and cool at the same time. Mm -hmm. All right. Organization13 on Discord asks, what do you think makes quality content? And I suppose, how do you try to bring that into the show? I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm still figuring that out, right? <laughs> yeah. It would be like, depending on how much effort and time you put into it, that should be the answer, but that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, because you could do something that took you half a minute and it'll blow up and then you can do something that took you weeks and you know nobody cares it, do <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean that like it's not quality content it just means it's not popular content i like hearing different voices and not by voices i don't mean like the actual voice but an opinion that's original that's why i think people that are like leon massey for example like that's that's an original opinion, what he's putting out there. It's not regurgitated something that he saw on Twitter or something that he saw on somebody else say you know, on a different platform, and he just regurgitates it. You know, not not single peopling out. It's, it's still a form of content, but there's a lot of people in the FGC who create content that their whole shtick is reacting to things. And mm. whether it's legit reaction videos or if they watch the video that somebody else did, and then they talk about that video and their video. I don't know. That's also a response. <laughs> yeah. Eh. That's not really my thing. I like different voices, opinions, creativity. And just if you have a, like a thought, like an original thought, and you're willing to put it down and put some effort in how you deliver that thought, I think that's quality content. Some some that's you. It don't got you don't even gotta be real new. It's just gotta be you, really. <laughs> Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, my God. I can't believe I have to read this one. Scruffy Sword on Discord asks, do you think the butts being bigger would bring more fans to your favorite fighting games? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Then again, Street Fighter V does have a lot of uh, pronounced. But then I don't know, because DOA has a lot of pronounced physics, quote unquote. And that that one's kind of dead. I, you know, I don't. I wonder why that game dies so quick, man. It feels like a KOF kind of situation. Feel, it's weird. I, I feel like it has it has the right stuff, don't it? I mean, outside of like the really bad DLC amount, but it has the right stuff. I mean, all the costumes and all that crap, and maybe it's too expensive. I don't really know. I I don't know. You know what I found with uh, DOA six particularly is I think DOA six is like BB tag in the way that. I like DOA 6, but I don't have experience with DOA 3, DOA 4, so I don't know what came before it. 
my only experience is with DOA 5 and DOA 6, and those two play somewhat similar. Mm. And because I don't have a precedent set, I'm like, hey, that's, this is all right. This is pretty good. So the old school heads, they don't like DOA 5 and 6. They're like, eh, no. I like 3 and 4. Similar with BB Tag. If you jumped into BB Tag, not knowing what Undernight was, Persona was, Blaze Blue was, and your only frame of reference is BB Tag, you're like, hey, actually, this is not bad. This is pretty fun. But somebody like me who played all those games before BB Tag, I'm like, BB Tag is not what I wanted at all. So mm. it's like, it depends when you show up for the franchise. Now, I don't know how I'm going to feel once I go play DOA 4 and then I return to DOA 6. Will I feel the same way as DOA veterans or will I be a part of the new wave? And I'm like, actually, I like the new model. Yeah. But as far as butts being big or helping, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. Nah. You know what I want, though? How come there are no old ladies in fighting games? Yeah, you're right, man. I want to see some old women fighting. I want more, like, I want, yeah, some more stuff like that. That'd be gangster, man. Like, okay, so, like, I remember I was watching, I read an archival post, and it was the realest thing ever. It was like, oh, man, look at, look at, um, Leroy, man, the best character design in the history of fighting games, and they ruined it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was like, yo, he did have a really cool character design, a black man that's blind. Like, I think the blind part was cool enough, but they made it so that, like, the black being more of, like, a cultural thing because he grew up in, like, New York, and he left New York. So now he came back, and he's beating kids' ass, basically, gangbang his ass. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then he's like, his gameplay was ass. So, yeah, it, yeah, it would be so cool if there was an old lady like she's super powerful, walks with a cane, blind or something like that. I would love that. I mean, Tekken does this shit all the time, and I really don't like it. They yeah. bring they bring back uh, uh, Kunimitsu, right? Yeah, Kunimitsu is, I think, in the lore, she's supposed to be like forty, maybe forty five. You know, she's a little oh, older. And they're like, nah, 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 we're going to bring her daughter because she's 20 or whatever. It's like, yeah. oh, great. Same thing with Nina. Nina is 50, but her body is of a 23-year-old. Okay, okay, great, thanks. Yeah, wait, wait, she's that old? Yeah, because she was in cryo chamber or whatever she was in. I don't know oh, what those yeah, stupid yeah. lore is. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, man, isn't it the same with, uh, what's this chick, um, uh, Kazumi? She old, right? Isn't she like a, a dinosaur? Well, I think she died young, so uh-huh. she they brought her back there in the same age that she died at. But she, yeah, she is, I mean, dead. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's weird. You're right, though, man. When I think about it, there's a lot of dead people, but they, I think that's part of it. They don't like making women look old, man. Like, and they should be old, man. Like, come on, man. Like, just make them old. There ain't no problem with that, man. I don't know. I mean. Like, Heihachi has grown with the series. Yeah. He's 75 years old, and you can play young Heihachi in Tag 2, and you can play old Heihachi in Tekken 7. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, now that I think about it. Yeah, the one with the black hair, and then he has the gray hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. Yeah, so I think we need different uh, representation in fighting games. We need an old lady. There's no old lady in fighting games. No old lady, but there's plenty of kids. Yeah. Plenty of kids. Plenty of kids for some reason. Weirdos. Yep. All right. Let's let uh, Broken Wing 
with a final question here to close us out. So since fighting games are basically extremely rhythmical, why hasn't a character besides Risei and Lilith ever really incorporated rhythm dance style attacks into their gameplay? You played a little bit of Risei, right? Yeah, I played the mini game. I never won it, man. I don't know what... I felt like I don't know what it was, but every time I played it, my timing was off or something, but I never got the, the damn mini game right. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't never really played Risei like that, but uh, I've gotten hit by that super before, and when they do get it right, it does a lot of damage. <laughs> it does a lot of damage. It's going to piss me off. I was like, yo, <laughs> I can't play this mini game right. I'm not. I'm out here doing doo-doo damage. <laughs> but to be honest, man, I think it's kind of gimmicky. I don't really like it. The rhythm thing? Yeah, it's just not for me. I don't mind it, but I just... Yes, fighting games have rhythm, but I don't think it's that type of rhythm. It's it's a different type of rhythm. And putting that into a fighting game is... Uh, it's I don't know. It's like interesting mechanic, but I don't know if I want to see more of it. it. It's a cute little gimmick that you can have for a character or two, but I don't know. Just not my thing. I don't know why it hasn't been done, but I think it is a little too gimmicky. I, it also makes me think of like, uh, you ever seen uh, Faust, like his his uh, super, where it's like the cup one? Mm. Never get it right, man. Every time I get it right, like I see the cup, I can follow that game. And then it, it like you get the right cup and the little little baby come out or whatever. And then like it turns into the, the, the Reaper. And it's like, oh, that's so grimy. Like you're not supposed to win that crap. That's cheap. <laughs> yeah. But if you've seen that but yeah that that little mini game i feel like it is to me yeah it's too gimmicky personally it would be cool in the sense where it's like both players get to play the mini game that would be dope mm. that might be interesting but then it's like uh we don't really need this yeah I, but i also find like the clash system and in, like injustice or whatever i think that's gimmicky as well where you know like you're spending meter to see who's gonna win the clash Oh yeah, yo, you, you know, you just remind me of you remind me of Dragon Ball Z, man, with the Budokai joints with the you got to mash or, oh, or, yeah. or the other one, you got to guess the button he presses. Oh, that's so terrible. We don't need that crap. Mm-mm. No, I don't <laughs> like that stuff. Waveform and shape, man. Yeah, I like cool gimmicks like Junpei's baseball run system in in Persona. Like, oh yeah, how does that specific? I never really understood it, man. I always saw it, but I was like, okay, so is it that he just has to hit your ass every time to, to get stronger, or what does that? How does that work? So he has balls and strikes. Mm. If he, I believe, if he hits you, he gets a hit, right? And yeah. you need four hits for a run, and then if he supers off of a combo, he can get up to uh, five runs, right? Because the bases are loaded. And, or rather, four runs. Bases are loaded. If he gets to 10 hits, he gets his golden bomber mode or whatever. And then that opens up his clean hit system where he can do more juggles with clean hits. And then they do more damage. The problem with Junpei is that he's so underpowered that sometimes yeah. you can have a you can have your baseball run system at like 30 runs. And if you don't get the right hit, he still does no damage. <laughs> okay, because like I knew that Junpei was always like this. I guess he's like a polarizing character because like nobody, like people that use him, use him well. And those are the people that pretty much was just stuck with him. That's why they use him well enough. Hmm. So, uh, but I've always like been interested. He, like he's cool to me. Like I think he's a pretty cool character. Yeah, no, there's really cool, interesting mechanics in Persona. Like Marie, you brought her up. Yeah. Marie will use certain supers to change the weather so she can yeah. 
affect you on screen, whether it's status ailments or if she gets more damage. That's interesting because now it changes the gameplay. Does she want to do lightning super so it'll rain or does she want to make it cloudy? Does she want to keep it sunny? You know, it's interesting. I, you know, I, I kind of want to talk more about Persona, but yeah, I really, <laughs> I really <laughs> like that. The uh, So now that I think about it too, and I want to go all the way back to like the beginning of the show, but when you mentioned that like in Blaze Blue, the, you know, the, the characters and how they feel and stuff, and you know how they have like the drive uh, mechanic, right? You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the drive system, uh, kind of is like their extra button. And it's like kind of like a whole other thing. I feel like in Persona, it like took that to a whole nother level and made it this huge thing where it's like, because like Marie's whole function is all around the weather. Think about Yukari. Whole, she uses like bombs and she can kind of set up traps. But her whole function is like, that weird zoning type that she has to be all over the place. It's really cool. Some are more straightforward than others, of course, like show. <laughs> yeah. Like show he's basically just, I mean, persona less, right. He's just going to side switch you and mix you up high, low and, and left, right. Yeah. And, and then there's also, I'd say like uh Labris's ax effect, mm -hmm. which is a big component to her play style. I mean, if she has red ax, she's, you're going to die. But if, if she's starting with green and stuff, it's not as good. Yeah, Akihiko has a cyclone system, right? If he's at three yeah, or if he's at five, you're probably dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was it uh Nauta? Is that is that the one? Yeah, she has the fate she counter. Yeah, and the, the guns and stuff, the bullets and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I guess can overheat, right? Like I guess outside yeah. of Orgia mode is useless. Yeah, that's true too. I guess overheat, so you have to be mindful of how you use her moves. That's it's not like that. I really like, man. There's a lot of that in persona. So much mindfulness that you got to kind of pay attention outside of remembering about your persona cards, which is another thing, too. Yeah, that is another thing. It's no, it's really I love that game. I can talk about that game all day. Like your character, Chie, she can freeze you and that opens up Oki. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, man. And uh, what's uh, what's the other character? Uh, Yukiko, her fire type of thing. It Like, I, I think her damage goes up with the more fire or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, and then she can also have an unblockable fire. It's on a cooldown. Yeah. But... It's so cheap, man. I hated that move. You can't get away from it, can you? Uh, you have to guard cancel roll. Oh, man. I, I remember when I asked somebody, and it's like, no, nah, you can't do nothing about that. I was like, bro, you get me every time. I knew it was coming, and I couldn't do anything man, about it. Man, get this Yukiko player out of here. No, you can. it's free if you, if you guard cancel roll. Oh, man, I got gimped every time I got hit with that. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was like, Emma, can I jump over? Nope. Can I do this? Nope. Can I do that? I'm like, dude, what? Yeah. It's cheap, man. If you can time it, um, if you don't have no burst, you can time it when they're going to activate the unblockable flame. And if you guard cancel roll, you can actually punish them because now you're behind them because the guard cancel roll takes meter. So it's a further roll than a regular roll. And the recovery on the fire will actually be yeah. long enough. So you, especially with Chia, you can just 5A her in the back. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Jesus, man. I didn't know that, man. I'm over here eating every that man, dude. <laughs> My persona experience could have been better. <laughs> oh, Damn, that's too bad. You, you should have played with me. That, that would have been more. Oh, right? I know, right? Dude, 2015, 16, when the game was out, man, everybody was playing it from what I heard. Mm -hmm. And then it dropped off like almost like two years later or a year afterwards. Nobody was playing it. So. Ah, rest in peace.
Right, man. Jesus Christ. That game was sick, man. It was dope, man. It's just the beginning levels. I had so much frustration with it because I had that trouble with DPs, man. Like, I didn't, I hated that Dachi's DP. Pissed me off, man. Right. Like, the high low. High low. Why? Why? <laughs> yeah. Well, Yukari's DP is special in the fact that it's more invulnerable than other DPs. So she can actually mash DPs on things that you're plus on sometimes. Yeah, you all. It's actually kind of yeah annoying because, but it's she's super vulnerable when she, of course. But like well, she goes she bleeds. through. Things. Oh yeah, man. It's oh man. But she had the really bad one too, though, where it's the like counter. It's super, <laughs> it's yeah. I was like, why is it always fatal with her? It's like she's like one of the few that get that. Man, I, I hated that. Yeah, but the cool thing with Chie though is if you're trying to get into awakening, you just spam DP. Yeah, that's true, man. So, okay, so that's another cool thing I really like about Persona. The DPs aren't just DPs, man. They're all weird and different. Yeah, like Kanji shock you, shocks you into place. Yeah, 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 that's true. I think the only, who's got, like, the normal people got DPs is, like, probably, like, Show you, uh... Mitsuru. Yeah, Mitsuru. What about, like, uh, what's this chick name? Uh, Elizabeth? Or is it Margaret? Where their DP is a grab. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, that's weird as hell. Super different. I like mm-hmm. that. You can tech them. Yeah, you can tech their DP. Yeah, wow. I didn't know that. Yep. See, I'm out here getting right. Man. I'm out here getting right. <laughs> I'm out here. <laughs> man, I just stayed. I just kept playing somebody that bodied me a lot. Man. The, that game is pretty matchup heavy, but if you, once you learn the matchup, it's uh, it's a little easier. You know, the one the one matchup in the game that even if you know the matchup is really annoying is Ken. Because the yeah, dog. oh, it's so cheap though, man. I the thing never dies. Like <laughs> I remember seeing it. It's like it's super just cheap, man. The way the dog functions, it's I don't know what they were thinking with that one. I feel like that should have got a balance in its own right. Because the way that dog works, it's like it's almost it's so busted, man. He's like a puppet character, but then he has the range of like goddamn zoners over here. Well, the fact that he can heal the dog is so broken. Yeah, exactly, man. Ugh. Yeah, I didn't like that, man. No. Ken is cheap. Yeah, he is. Oh, yeah, he is. <laughs> but uh, no more romanticizing about Persona. I know everybody who's like doesn't know anything what we're talking about is like, these boomers. <laughs> oh, man. game's so good. Uh, but speaking of older games, Shadow of the Week goes to one older game, and congrats to Killer Instinct and that community for a successful showcase on Twitch Rivals with over 40,000 viewers and an extremely entertaining top eight. I don't know if you watched that on Maximilian's channel. That was really good. Really, really good. No, I, I, I have not. Uh, I didn't even know that. I, I forgot about that, man. <laughs> but I do remember we talked about it a while ago, right? Yeah, and that's pretty dope that um, so much people came up for KI. Yeah, they had a super entertaining top eight final. It was back and forth. You had a bracket reset. And nice. The matchups in that game are so interesting. Like they're really interesting, and especially with the combo breakers and the the mind games. I don't even play that game like that, but uh, spectator wise, that was a re- very enjoyable experience. So that was a really good showing for Ki. I was happy for that community. I know they want a revival. It'd be nice if if Microsoft did something. They brought it back because I think it deserves it. Do you think that the creators are like like would love that too? I don't even know if they like are they interested in that stuff. I don't even know, man. I don't know what Microsoft is thinking. I. KI would be a really good title to have, especially with one of their services like the the Xbox Game Pass. Yeah. You know it's not going to sell a lot of copies because it's already a niche fighting game on a console mm. that most people don't play fighting games on. 
Yeah. Yep. That's true. So uphill climb for KI fans to try to get another game. Yeah. That's pretty much it for episode 19 of FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast. I appreciate it, buddy for listening. And uh, yeah, that was it. So I'm Max Pleister. That was Pringle the One. And we will see you guys next week. Peace out, y'all. Take care, y'all. Peace.